0: Well, welcome back welcome welcome here we are rogue table talk episode 19 so 19 hey shout out to uh, the
1: sermon format last week i loved that sermon format it was <laughs> awesome
0: i don't know whose idea that was i don't either but obviously you guys probably loved it too uh, probably who didn't <laughs> amen brother uh so here we are we're welcome home still well, this is the last last. This week. is the last last week. week of Welcome Home. After this, we don't have to be welcome. Yeah, you are not <laughs> welcome in the home You're on anymore. Your own. <laughs> uh, but we are going to be talking about uh, the prodigal, where the prodigal is welcome. Yeah, Luke that, 15. Yes, if we're not welcoming the prodigal, we're perhaps not super welcoming. Um, so let's let me just set the stage real quick, and we can dive in. Um, Luke 15 opens with this little setting, this little context, and that's a you know sort of interpretive key to the parables. Is usually if you understand the context, you know what it, his meaning is arising out of the out of the context. And so Luke 15, starting in verse one, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them, and then Jesus told them this parable.
1: That was a good muttering. Voice. I like man, welcome
0: sinners, and uh, and so then what follows is actually three parables: uh, parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. Uh, and that's what we're gonna. The prodigal son is the parable of the lost son, and we'll be talking about that mostly. But uh, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin also say something uh, about the father. Summarize that for us briefly, Sir Chadwick. Yeah.
1: yeah, so everyone, the religious people are complaining he's eating with sinners. Right. Uh, so we, we need to talk about why is that such a problem? Why are they so scandalized by Jesus table fellowship with these kind of people? So we'll get to that. mm mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, it tells this parable. There's three parables. Lost sheep. It's about uh, a shepherd who has 100 sheep, and one disappears. And he says, well, why wouldn't he leave the 99 right. to go find the lost one? And then he brings it back, and everyone throws a party. Rejoicing. And rejoicing. Angels and, and uh, everyone. So then there's a lost coin, and there's a woman who has 10 coins, and she loses a coin. And why wouldn't she turn over the house mm-hmm. and look through all the cushions and... Search every piggy bank for the lost coin. She finds it. She calls her friends, and they throw a party.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's uh, the third, which is a uh, very lengthy mm-hmm. uh, story and a famous parable of the lost son, the lost son. The two yeah. brothers, the
0: father, and mm-hmm. so right. You know, we'll talk about that. So the first couple par- uh, parables, there, the shorter ones, there's this sense of uh, the priority of the lost that it's not the found that's the priority we're we're going to they're they're fine we're going to go find the lost one and when the lost is reunited uh and all the uh you know all the sheep are back together all the coins are back together there's rejoicing that everyone's happy and so there's something about the heart of the father where he the lost are the priority not the found that doesn't mean the founder you know uh excluded from uh, grace or blessing or anything, but the, these parables clearly uh, say something about uh, that the lost one is the one that uh, re- receives the attention of the shepherd, and the lost coin is the one that receives the attention of the of the searching uh, woman, and there's a celebration. So that's sort of a that's sort of a general truth that the priority is for the lost when the lost is found, rejoicing yeah. happiness. That's well, when you, heaven you, rejoices.
1: You think of uh, you know illustration of uh, a ship at sea or something and it's lost at sea and they need to rescue the people on the boat well once you get the rescue boat out there and you start to remove and rescue passengers it's just the natural focus people still in the water yeah once you got people safe you're still focusing on the other people right
0: right and then and then that shifts to this longer parable where there's a, a younger brother who becomes the lost one and the older brother who's sort of uh Hmm. Maybe not fully uh, participating with the, uh, the, the mission of, of finding the lost. Well, he
1: did listen to our Welcome Home He talks. did not.
0: He did not. <laughs> uh, and, it's a, and so partly it's about, he's scandalized by the young brother. The Pharisees are scandalized by these people coming to Jesus. And so maybe I'll just throw out, so what scandalizes us? Mm-hmm. What scandalizes you? Mm-hmm. What should scandalize us what scandalizes god if anything because uh, that's a lot of what seems like is going on here the pharisees are just scandalized by these people coming and eating with jesus and you you mentioned that before so why is that such a culturally what's the big deal going yeah. on there
1: yeah it, it is surprising to us a little bit removed from the culture like why is why can't they get over it Why can't they get past who Mm -hmm. Jesus has Mm -hmm. table fellowship with? So um, I remember um, reading in a a few books around this subject that even today, an Orthodox Jew will invite you out for coffee and donuts, and that is um, a a gesture of hospitality. But to invite you into their home for uh, a meal, a lunch, or a dinner uh, is in their... Uh, perception to invite you into their mini sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, um, safe kind of sanctified place of fellowship where they're saying to you, I would like to enter into deep friendship Mm -hmm. with you. So if Jesus, you translate that backwards, if Jesus is at the very least considered a rabbi Mm -hmm. and who he interacts with, I was also considered a prophet who he interacts with um, shows God's approval or right. might show who God would be friends with and God is interacting with people who were considered sinners and outcasts and the least of these that they might find acceptance in the kingdom of God that's the scandal yeah because yeah. It, it challenges everything in the Pharisees view of their own their own worth their own righteousness their own effort to like right. look what I've done right um, and you see that in the parable. Look what I've done. And they, it seems like they have just ruined their lives right. and God might
0: accept them. Right. Jesus wants to right. be friends with right. those kind of people. Yeah. I think there's so much going on there uh, because I do think we can, one of the lessons of the parable, and for us, one of the things that keeps us from being welcoming is we can begin to resemble the Pharisees very mm. easily. Yeah we were scandalized by the sin of others and just to be clear you know these were not people who um you know were playing badminton on the sabbath as <laughs> their as their main <laughs> sin right but that's a problem yeah that would have been a problem it would have been a problem but you know these were prostitutes these were perhaps homosexual prostitutes these were tax collectors which uh you know, basically made their living by extorting extra taxes from people. Extortion, embezzlement, embezzlement, extortion, you know, thievery. Um, And as as the fact that they were um, Jews doing that for this oppressive Roman Empire, they were, you know, betraying their people. So these were the... Outcast is almost putting it too mild. It is pretty grace. mild. People that when they might get arrested
1: or find some kind of justice, there's that part of us that says, "Well, yeah, yeah, right, you Course. deserve that." Right.
0: Like, I'm right. kind of glad that that's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, that's justice for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so there's part of us that you know, isn't there a limit for grace? Like, shouldn't I be scandalized by the sin of of, of somebody else? And I I kind of begin to as I contemplate this this parable, um, what, what is interesting, of course Jesus knows their sin at a far deeper level and he does not appear to be scandalized by them or by this, their sin. Um, he's not accepting of it. He's not saying your sin is okay, but he is not scandalized by it. Um, and I, I wonder if, um, one of the things, one of the maybe are scandalizing the sins of others typically in areas that we are not, that's not our weakest point, Mm -hmm. is almost a defense mechanism so that we are not scandalized by our own sin. Like I don't want to look, I don't want to stop and look really hard in the mirror. And that's kind of what the Pharisee maybe is invited to do in this parable. Like at the end of the parable, maybe he's invited to do that. But I don't know if there's something there where we can call it concern for justice or concern for doing the right thing. Like we're sticking up for God or something mm. when sometimes it might be just, I want to think that sin is way worse than my sin. Not that that sin is okay or good, but I don't really want to think about my sin.
1: That's that's really good. I, what do you think about this? I'm going to test this hypothesis out as we do sometimes. Um, if we can clean up our visible sins, mm-hmm then we're usually probably a little blinded to our invisible sins, sins of motive and sins of that heart nature. So when we see someone else with visible sins that yeah. they can't hide anymore, right. then we're quick to say, well, I did my part to, clean. Right. It's, it's a sin management thing. Yeah. I cleaned up my visible sin right? Um, and you haven't cleaned up your visible sin. Right. And so it's easy for, yeah uh it, what's the passage in is it samuel the lord looks at the heart man looks on the outward appearance right. like yeah. there's that principle that's probably always working right you got a divorce you were an addict you did this so i'm just looking at you thinking like aha
0: i've i got gotcha. you yeah found you out right and so it's like that person's sin is almost a measure of my righteousness since i don't you have visible sin. You that have to say that have.
1: again. That's really deep, and, and profound. <laughs> that person's sin
0: is is a measure of my righteousness. So I, now I'm invested in your sinfulness. Like I don't want to let you off the hook. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it. it's a tricky business. I
1: just got ill in my stomach a little bit because <laughs> it's just so true and uh, icky. It's well, like it's, I'm going to measure my goodness against your. Yeah. What I'm measuring yeah. your and sin. honestly,
0: my one of so one of my Pharisee temptations is to be Pharisaical about judgmental Christians sure yeah you know that I feel better right that I'm not at least I'm not like that person yeah right but it's the same we all are prone to do it in one way or the other and it it is a tricky business because I do think some people who are not in the sin management business in the sense that we're they're not trying to clean up their outward sins also are not trying to work on their inward Mm -hmm. and they do seem to live as though what I do doesn't matter yeah Uh, and that might look exterior similar to somebody who is working hard on the inside, but they still have, you know, so we don't look on the, we can't see what what somebody's really going through. Um, but one of the thing, I think one of my advantages of growing up outside the church in my childhood and a junior high and then high school years when I became a Christian and then my family was still, you know, my parents were still unsaved and, um, that there is nothing to envy about the life of somebody who is living in you know outward sin there's they're not getting nobody's getting away with anything yeah it's that line from hell or high water that uh you know the older brother Great says movie. no nobody gets away with anything little brother and i do think that's um we think oh somebody's getting something that i'm not getting yeah. they get to be a Christian, and they get to sin.
1: We're almost a, almost a little envious, maybe. Almost a little envious. Like, oh, well, I, yeah. you know, I'd I, like to do that, they're too. They're having fun. Yeah, I'd like
0: to do that, too, but I said no because of Jesus. Right. Where it's part the, of the problem is we shouldn't really want to do It's
1: that. kind of the elder brother <laughs> a little, it, little totally. bit. He's yeah. he's resentful of, like, I never even had, a, like, a party here. Right, right. And this guy gets to
0: come home. Right, right. He gets all of that, and he gets a party. Yeah when i don't know that we what we realize when we enter in the lives of those people all of that is a prison typically yeah, even if see. it looks from the outside like they have money and they're successful and that's not the life of flourishing that jesus has for us so part of it is i can live by faith and saying nobody's getting away with anything right you know i don't have to worry about that right. i can let that go yeah you know god's mm-hmm. in charge of the getting away with stuff business and if anything, I get away with all of my sin because of you know Christ's mercy and grace to me on the cross. Um, I just don't know if we if we think about like the younger brother, the you know the pair as the parable goes, the younger son rejects the father, takes his money and goes off wild living, spends it all, friendless, hits rock bottom. And there's part of us that's like, well, that's yep, yep, that's what he got. You know, that's what he had coming. And right. I'm not saying it isn't, but I think. Unless we've been there, we fail to realize that's a pretty, it's a pretty rough place to be because you yeah. feel like I got nothing now. I, I kissed my old life goodbye, and I said goodbye to the church, and I insulted my family, and I went off and did my own thing, and now I got nothing. And mm-hmm. what it takes to come to your senses as the younger son, and like I am going to go back home. Like what a big movement that is that we don't give enough credit for, I think.
1: I think that's true because he offended his father and his family in such a way where he, um, he shouldn't return.
0: Right. I mean, like he I kind of wish you're dead. Dad. Yeah, like I can't I wait for dead. you to die. Give me the money.
1: Middle Eastern family father would have been expected to beat him out of the house with that type of offensive. That's so offensive. And so no, you, you shouldn't by all social graces be able to come back into the house. And so, yeah, I think there's so much grace all over the parable and the fact that the younger brother, it says he comes to his senses. Mm -hmm. So people hit rock bottom, but they don't come to their senses, right? Tell me about it. People hit rock bottom and they keep doing it. And and I'm not... And they keep saying... Better than them or anything. I'm just saying that's true. That's true. They don't come to their senses to say, gosh, I am desperate. I
0: need help. I'm really broken. What courage does it take to say... Ooh, I'm hit, I've hit bottom. Yeah. Like, no, tomorrow's not going to be a better day. I'm at the bottom. Uh, and people who do that, it's a very courageous act to see what everyone else probably sees when they look at life.
1: So to, so to bring that home, that's maybe step one. And when we see someone come through the church doors that maybe looks like they've hit rock bottom, right that might be step 99 That's for right. them. That's and right. we have no idea have how no idea. much work they've done right. to get to those yeah. places.
0: Yeah, and I've I've talked to, uh, I remember talking to a woman a couple of years ago who finally ends up coming into the church. Um, and the first few times she drove into the parking lot, she parked her car, she sat in her car and sobbed. Mm. Didn't come in.
1: I totally get and it. And then drove home. Totally get it, yep.
0: And so that's, you know, I think so that when that person comes in, I mean, nobody's getting away with anything. Right. They're yeah. not. I mean, that's not, that's not a thing where our job is just a welcome at that point. We don't, God's had them on a, you know, we don't have to convince them that they've messed their life up. Yeah. Probably. Right. right. I mean, even if they're militant and defiant, that's not, A, it's not my job. B, it's probably not likely to be successful. And see, it's probably not necessary. Like people probably are already grasping the fact of they're only they're in church because they're 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 talking to me about my faith, or they're because they're getting the sense that okay, my plan A yeah. or my plan B isn't working.
1: Yeah, this may be like we said, this may be chapter five of grace in their life, right? And so maybe you can speak to this a little bit, um, even with the, some of the questions we got over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, with welcoming people, showing compassion to them, and then walking with them. Um, I don't know if if the framework is right, but it tends to be framed like, you know, how do we not know that we're endorsing something? How do we walk with them and not endorse it? We're afraid of that. There seems to be that framework. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you can speak to that because this story does seem like it would... um, give some type of answer to that question. Yeah. Jesus right. interacting with these people.
0: Right. And I think almost that that that's probably the Pharisees concern. Like, are you in you know, you I guess you're okay with these people doing right. these things. Yeah. Uh the older brother seemingly like, so we're just gonna it's I guess it's okay. He went and did all that stuff because we're having a party. Yeah. Like Um, That does seem to be a a meaning of, and I I don't know, for me, I'd have to sit and think, like, where does that fear come from? Um, Like, I don't have a seal of endorsement to give anyone or, or, you know, (laughs) or deny someone. Uh, I think that sounds to me like, um, I don't want to say this too harshly, but a way out of, the difficult messiness of accepting them and walking with them.
1: Messiness came to my mind. It is, it's, it's not black and white. Right. Let's just follow the trajectory for a second. So what are we really saying that we're going to have a conversation with them? This goes something like, Hey, I want to be your friend, but in order to be your friend, you can't do this behavior.
0: Yeah. You just, I just need to be clear uh, on, you know, that these areas of sin that you have uh, I'm against.
1: Right. We, because that's what feels like. Is that right. what we're going to do? Right. As a, we, yeah. we don't usually, yeah. look back to the visible, invisible yeah. sins. We People who are judgmental right. and self-righteous. <laughs>
0: yeah, I just think the only reason I would say that is for me, not for right. you. Right. It would be for me to be in the clear. I just want it to be clear. I want my hands to be clean. And there's no sense of that in Jesus here. Instead of just saying, you know, God loves you. There, no. There's grace for you. Uh, And let's talk about what that means for you. I mean, I don't, I don't, again, my experience is most of the time they're not looking for endorsement. They're, they already sort of don't endorse it or they wouldn't be talking to you. Now, that's not always the case, but in terms of somebody who might be taking a step towards the church, that door is already open. They probably assume condemnation. Mm -hmm. So can we just say, you know, God loves you. God has grace for you. I love you. Let's walk together. Um, There's things about me that I need to change. There's things about you that need to change. That's just part of being uh, a fallen creature in need of God's grace. That's common. We have that in common, even though my need for grace looks a little different than yours or just somebody else's. But the main thing is we both need like Niagara Falls of grace, like <laughs> yeah. way more grace. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I do think there's a sense in which we have that the, the standard of purity is about as high, you know, we're sitting in, uh, you know, this, the Youth Library 132 and the ceiling's about, I don't know, 12 feet high. And that's, I think, our picture, like the standard of purity, like I can't jump that high, but it's there, I can see it, I can kind of get, you know, I can get close-ish. Uh, and in that world, the difference between how high I can jump and how, how you can jump is measurable and whatever. And But if the standard of purity is past the roof, past the clouds, past the sun, mm-hmm. infinitely high, the difference between your sin and my sin in that realm is not significant. Yeah. Like we're both desperately in need of grace uh, or to use the old picture that sometimes is used in evangelism that, you know, that we all line up on the coast of California and we you know, if we're all gonna swim to Hawaii, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter how good a swimmer you are, how good a swimmer I am. I mean, we're gonna drown relatively close mm-hmm. to the shore of California, mm-hmm. right? That being as far away as it is. And so it doesn't, it does matter in some sense because it matters as, you know, the baggage I'm bringing into my life or so on. But if I appreciate, like the guy in the parable that owed the king an unpayable amount, if I really appreciate, I have no way to pay that back. By rights, I'm in prison, my family's in prison and we die in prison, that's what should happen. That's justice for me. Instead, I get grace, and if I really accept that in my bones, am i then am I really not ready to give it to you because of your sin? Yeah. like there's some you know Jesus tells that parable about the guy who then owes you a thousand dollars. You owed the king a trillion. yeah, okay, he owes you a thousand. That's a real thing. But if you forget about if you don't forget about the trillion, the thousand is meaningless. yeah, the
1: temptation to me is always. Uh, log in your eye versus speck in yeah. your brothers or right. sisters, like whatever.
0: Yeah. We don't really believe that.
1: I don't, I don't think we do yeah. because we tend to continue to point out, well, that's sin, or I need to point that out, yeah. or I would feel better if I pointed that out. And I think we're afraid maybe of like, well, I have to stand up for truth. So they need to know. Yeah. Most people, most younger brothers that
0: I've run into typically know where conservative Christians yeah. stand. <laughs> and that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. I mean, the younger brother knows. Yeah. He's not coming back and making his case. You know, he's coming back and saying I don't even really deserve to be in the family. Just let me let me eat with the servants. That's better And Yeah, he doesn't right? justify himself. No. Right. He doesn't rationalize
1: anything. Right. He just falls on us. I, I did blow it. I yeah. blew it. I was wrong. Right. Um
0: I'll work back. Yeah. I'll work. Yeah. I'll make it right. Yes. Yeah. And I do think that's the we <sighs> The endorsing thing is, it's just really interesting because I do think there's something there that says something about, it's really about me, that I want to make sure everyone knows I'm not okay with this. Uh, and whether I'm okay with it or not, is mm-hmm. really not in the mm. cosmic scale that big yeah. of a deal. <laughs> well, because think about it. How do people change? Yeah.
1: What motivates people for change?
0: My disapproval. Right. Does probably Me telling
1: not. them they need to change. <laughs> is not a, it. Right. It's just not. Yes. And so until they, they're desperate for it, mm-hmm. right. They want to, mm-hmm. or there's enough pain in their life to say, you know what, gosh, yeah. I can't, I can't do this
0: anymore. Yeah. So an example that we have, um, here like for instance if if an if a un unbelieving unchurched couple comes to us and wants to get married here at Calvary church uh we typically we go through the process we look at it as an opportunity to minister to this couple that for whatever reason they're here making themselves available to talking to a pastor for six sessions of premarital counseling where the gospel is going to get shared, or whatever. Um, We don't need to do an inventory of their sin. We don't need to, if they're living together, they're, they're, they're lost. Mm -hmm, So let's, let's not create believing expectations of their behavior. Let's minister to them where they are. It's not a matter of endorsement or non-endorsement. It's a matter of, can we have a relationship with these people that allows us to share the gospel? And then they get married here. Now we have a relationship. Maybe they bring their kids to VBS and so on and so on. And
1: maybe 10 years they become Christians, right?
0: Yeah, now there's, there's a risk there, though, because somebody else might say, well, so my neighbors went to Calvary, they're living together, and they, they guess they're fine with it because they married them. Sure. There's a reputational sort of, yeah. I, I risk people thinking the wrong thing, which is exactly what's happening to Jesus well, here. Yeah, he was a,
1: a, accused of being a glutton That's and right. a drunkard. Yeah, people right. maligned his reputation right. right and left.
0: Right, where, but if I am... An ambassador to this culture, and we've got an un- unbelieving couple that wants to come and get married in the church and go through Christian premarital, where the gospel is going to be talked about. Why would I say no to mm-hmm, that? Right. The only reason I would is because I'm worried about what somebody's going to think about me. Yeah. I think that's sort of—I don't want to endorse it—kind of gets us off the hook of just the messiness of walking with people and being a you know being a Christ follower and maybe an uncomfortable situation. And maybe one of our friends thinks something that isn't true about us. And am I willing, am I willing to risk that yeah. is the question. Um, and I, you know, again, it's a tricky business. Um, I don't, it's one of those things where it's more about what's my motivation here. What's my heart motivation. What do I want to have happen? What's my priority? Yeah. Uh, is it, I want to look good. I want to feel good about myself. Uh, Or I want a pathway for this person to come to the kingdom, even if it's messy and difficult and uh, somebody might misunderstand. And I think that is the price increasingly we're going to have to pay.
1: I I think that's true. What what do you think about, so um, Jesus isn't scandalized really by the younger brother's the lost, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, or the elder brothers. He's not right. scandalized in that sense. He's he sees both clearly. But some of the some of the most challenging things that Jesus says, and I would argue it's a it is love. It's a severe mercy, is uh, to the Pharisees. Um, I've heard someone say this: the spiritual condition of the younger brother is actually better. Yeah than the spiritual condition of the elder brother. Right. Why, why is right. that? Yeah. What's going on?
0: Yeah, I think what I, one of the things that um, uh, I've uh, puzzled through when you're talking about the, the parables, um, you know, what are, how do you interpret parables? And, you know, what's, what's a good sort of interpretive key? And I think one that, that I learned and that I think is very helpful is usually they say something about God And or, they say something about what a favorable response to God looks like. And or, they say something about what unfavorable response to God looks like. Uh, And in this the parable of the prodigal son, you see all three. It says something about the father, that he's staring down the road, he's waiting for the son to come back. He's got joy and grace, and uh, he's rejoicing that, you know, the... And it says some, the, the, the favorable response is actually the lost son coming to his senses. Just yeah. saying, what, I think what Jesus is saying is, that's the real condition for everybody. for everybody. We are all the lost son. We all need to come to our senses. We all need to approach the throne of grace. Uh, and it is a gift of grace to come to your senses and wanna go back. And then the older brother is the unfavorable response to God, where I don't need grace. Yeah. I've been the good son. You didn't throw me a party. I'm getting a bad deal. It's unfair. It, you're being too nice to him. Um, you're endorsing his behavior, All whatever. Whatever is going through that, that's actually the unfavorable response. And the act of Jesus telling these three parables, he's, he's, he's standing there looking right at this Pharisee. He's telling him to this Pharisee and he's basically, as the father invites the older son into the party, he's inviting the Pharisee into, like, you can still, mm-hmm. you can still join the party, mm-hmm. you know, you're welcome, uh, and it's sort of up to you. And of course, that's famously the it ends there, and we don't know what the Pharisee ends up doing. Now, we know Pharisee, some Pharisees responded to Jesus, but during his lifetime, not a ton.
1: Not a ton. Not a ton. No, not a ton. I, and, and I think it reveals the dangerous heart condition of the Pharisee, which is, I don't think I need grace. Yeah. I ha- and one of, his, one of his statements that he says to the Father is, look, I've been with you all these years and I've never disobeyed you. Mm-hmm. Like right. I've kept right. your rules, right. and he he resents the father, actually. Right. Yeah. He doesn't want the father, right. He resents the father. Yeah. I've kept all your rules, He resents the father, resents the younger brother and uh and i I am filled with loathing, yeah. uh, because I've done what you said, mm-hmm. and it's not working out. Right. That's how I know when I'm in a pharisaical heart right. mode is a, I'm judging other people quickly, whether it be self-righteous. Uh, people or um, people who can't keep their life together, whatever it is, um, and then when things don't go my way, I get angry about yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's the right. Pharisaical heart. Right. Like God, you owe me. Right, you owe me this. Yeah. And the danger is, he's so entrenched in his self. Um, he misses out on the only condition for grace, and the only condition for grace is admission that you need. Yeah, it. I need grace. Yeah, I need yeah
0: grace. it's like I think the the level for purity is about twelve foot up, and I built a ladder and I got up there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm I've done everything you've said, which isn't true. Obviously, it's not true. It's not true. Uh, and because you know everything God wants from us is a matter of heart as well, and we just can't. We have an unpayable debt. Yeah. Ironically, it's not true. He didn't. He didn't love the younger brother. He didn't. Right. <laughs> he didn't go look for him. He That's didn't. <laughs> right. Right. Obviously, and he's speaking disdainfully to his father, right. even in this period here. Um, but and he feels like, listen, this has been a raw deal for me. There was some expectations attached to my obedience that whatever surface obedience it was that I was going to get. There was going to be a party, I was going to get it. Yeah, it was for me because right? I kept yeah, the rules. That's right. I mean, if we're going to have a party, it needs to be for me first. Yeah. Uh, and instead of the, that's not the point at all. Like you've been, you've been, you've had the, 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 the love and the grace of the Father is there for you every day if you want it. And if you don't participate in it, that's probably not God's issue. That's mm-hmm. probably my mm-hmm. issue. Uh, and I do feel like that's right. Whenever I feel like I'm getting a raw deal from God, that's exactly what the Pharisees mm-hmm. thought because I've earned a good deal. And if I am but if I'm in that place, somebody else getting a good deal, oh, that just grates on me. Yeah. You know, it's right. right? It's, and Jesus, this is a hard one for us because we're such an achieving success-oriented, accomplishment-oriented culture, but Jesus tells parable after parable, like the workers in the field, right? right. I worked, now I, I worked an hour, you worked you know, eight hours, we got the same amount. Yeah. I kind of see your beef a little bit. Grace pisses people off, <laughs> I it, it you, does. It's, I kind of see, you got a point in a <laughs> yeah. way, but that is the grace thing, is that we're all getting way more than we deserve, and if it appears like somebody else is getting even even more than more than they deserve, that's really not your yeah. you celebrate the grace that you have. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just do that. Right. Just celebrate the grace offered to you. And if you're really doing that, you're not going to be begrudging it to others. And mm-hmm. if you're begrudging it to others, probably not celebrating it. Right. Right. And and when I
1: look at the parable, how it should um, and we've used the word a lot, but how it scandalizes me mm-hmm. is if i don't identify with the younger brother there's only one other brother to identify yeah. with yep yeah. if i don't identify with oh, loose living and you know do what i want to do and abuse grace and whatever else we define that as well then i need to look at um, am i the older brother mm-hmm. Do I exclude the younger brother from the table? Mm-hmm. Do Am I happy when he has to pay his dues mm-hmm. and you you should... It's eye for eye. This yeah. is law versus grace. Right. Like yeah. eye for eye, he needs to pay his, right. his debt here. Yeah. Um, do I get mad at God that he accepts people in sheer grace? Like all of that is something for me to say, well, sometimes I'm the younger brother. No, I get that. And maybe a lot of times I'm the older brother.
0: I think it's really... I think I heard you say at one time that we're all natural born Pharisees. And I do think, I think that's kind of a who we are. Even if we're not in the church, we become pharisaical about politics or about some, we become mm. pharisaical about something where yeah. I'm the insider. I worked hard to be the insider. Mm. I'm not just giving it to you, you know, so whether that's class or politics or religion, I think Phariseeism is something that if we're not, Really looking at our own hearts, we're probably slipping into, and certainly in the church, certainly, certainly. Whenever just, there's
1: religion and and obedience and morality mm-hmm. in the conversation, the temptation will yes. be there. Yeah, to be fair say. and
0: it. I think it's the only way that it's if you approach from a place of brokenness, and let's say you know you've been living a promiscuous lifestyle or um, and you approach the, the the church, you approach me, the only way that I'm ever, we're ever going to talk about the deep transformation that Christ wants to make in your heart is to start from a place of grace and mm-hmm, acceptance. Mm-hmm. If that's what I'm really, if if I'm really concerned about, like Christ has a as a life of flourishing for you that you're not experiencing. Yeah. If that's really what I'm concerned with. And I'm going to start from a place of grace and welcoming and acceptance and love. And from there, what is this life that Christ is inviting you to? If I start with, well, let's tell you what, here's the difference between you and me. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I don't do all those things you do. And that's why I'm happy and you're unhappy. Well, we're not inviting them to anything. Uh, you know, we're raising a standard that they can't meet and that we're not meeting either. Um, and that's all just to protect my, my heart, my, you know, my own looking in the mirror, all of that stuff.
1: I I think that's, what do you think about this? I think maybe that's how we think we've achieved transformation. So we hold that out as this is the way you need to achieve transform. We're, we're a bit deluded Mm -hmm. in thinking that, um, I can keep the rules. So therefore I'm transformed. Yeah. And so then we think, well, you need to keep the rules so that you can be transformed and let's all just keep the rules. Um, side note, God hates legalism. Mm -hmm. Just so we're clear, anything added to God's commands Mm -hmm. does this. Mm -hmm. It self-deceives and it brings down the measure of what you call purity or what we could call God's righteousness. It brings down the measure to something Something that is actually achievable in the human condition. If you can achieve it in your human fallen condition, it is not transformation. And so that's why you always look to the fruit of the spirit, like, oh, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. No, right. I can't do that on my own. Yep. I've seen my heart. But then it it comes back to me, that passage, I believe it's in Romans, I could be wrong. It's God's kindness that leads people to mm-hmm. repentance. Right. That's It's not me telling you the moral standard and you yeah. need to keep yourself right. clean. and more. That doesn't lead to repentance. It really right. doesn't. Right. It leads to morality. Yes. <laughs> right. And it, it doesn't always equal transformation. It's, but it's the kindness of God that says, wait, you're not, you're not, wait, you're not punishing me. You're not making me like, right. I'm not going to earn it now. Right. I just not eye for eye here. What right. I'm, I'm in the family. Right. That yeah. is what, Oh, okay. Well, gosh, now I want to change. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be a part of this family. Right. And change has to come from the inside out. That's right. I think that's
0: right. It's a, it's a miracle. The transformation of a heart is a mir- is a miraculous thing. The transformation of my heart is a miraculous thing. I didn't manage it. I didn't make it happen. I'm not more loving or more patient or more peaceful or have more joy because I'm working hard at it. Mm. I will say, I mean, obviously the outward forms of my life change as a result of transformation. Yeah. yeah, And I think we just get the cart before the horse. I want to give you these outward forms as proof of something. When in fact, we Christ offers a transformed heart and now I, now I will be in his word. Now I will spend time with him. Now I will have peace. Now I'll, I'll forgive my father. I will whatever. Instead of, let, okay, let's start with, you've got to forgive your father mm-hmm. before anything else happens. Yeah, right. I mean, you can't, we're setting up something he, they can't do. Mm. And we couldn't either. Mm. I mean, the only reason I can forgive is because I've been transformed. It's a, it's a miraculous thing. It's not, it's not a man-made thing. And so I think the more I wrestle with the miracle of my own grace, the grace to me, the, oh my, the transformation of my heart as a miracle of grace. That's something that God's Holy Spirit is doing in me, that he asked, draws me into, asks me to participate, but that's something that he's doing. The more I'm in that place, well, now I'm not hoarding it. I'm not worried about endorsing your bad behavior. I'm not worried about any of those things. Uh, I'm, I'm inviting you into some some life in which you can be transformed as well. And that we're fellow fellow prodigals right fellow prodigals that came to our senses or hopefully um and all of that all of that has to be done as a miracle of the movement of god's spirit in me it's not something like i'm gonna get better at that you know i gotta smile at lost people (laughs) you know Maybe I'll get a tattoo. It sounds
1: really hard for that person to smile smile at lost people. people. (laughs) Smiling in general. Yes. Uh,
0: And so it's not, it's not an outward thing. I just think the more I wrestle with my own, the miracle of God's grace to me, the more I really plumb that depth. Well now, I mean, who am I to keep it from somebody else? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the invitation to the older brother and it's the invitation to us. And then that's the only way we really can be welcoming. So I think our time is up. Uh, thanks for this uh, journey through this series. Welcome home. Yeah. Uh, I never know what we're doing next.
1: Next, Well, it's not branded yet, but it's it's on Jesus so there's that it's on jesus you don't know do you uh, just yeah point. i do Something i do, I do. No, 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 it's, like, okay. it's like seven weeks on jesus <laughs> okay. and how like just re-looking at him jesus i never knew type thing uh, we just yes, you know
0: I see. we got to brand it first all right because branding is everything you know, saw, else nobody's we, gonna come yeah, to the how church. we can even talk about it right? <laughs> everything just is about jesus <laughs> <laughs> That might be the brand actually you might have just got it right there about jesus part 74 <laughs> Uh, Until then, uh, have a great week uh, and uh, plumb the depths of God's grace to you this week. That's our invitation. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church media productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.